Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. So we are busy with a sermon series called Surprised. Now, uh, how many of you like gifts? Yes, we all love gifts. Now, um, it is quite interesting that we love wrapping gifts, right? And the reason is because we love surprises. Uh, we really love surprises. And, and I mean, imagine we lived in a world where we, we were so practical that we just exchanged gifts, but we didn't wrap them. Um, and we told one another beforehand what we're going to get one another. Like if we were only practical, no surprise at all in any gift. That, that would be boring, right? Or like uh, I know Sheldon from Big Bang Theory, he once suge suggested that the notion of gifts is just absurd uh, because I give you a gift worth 200 rand, you give me a gift worth 200 rand, so we might as well exchange money, and that's also just a waste of time. So why not just keep your money, and whenever you need something, just go buy something for yourself? You know, that makes a lot of practical sense, but the thing is, it's human nature. We love surprises, and that's why we love wrapping a gift and surprising one another in this Christmas time. And so in this series, we're looking at surprising ways in which God has actually worked with humanity, uh, ways in which God has actually surprised us in the way that He relates to us and works with us. Um, and so that's our theme for this uh, December series. Have you ever, let me ask you this question, have you ever struggled to open a gift? Like, you know, if, especially if you're the kind of person that loves um, saving the wrapping paper, you feel bad for tearing it open, and so then you're trying to find the end of the sellotape. Like you, you know, you, and then it just takes you hours to just find the end, right? Um, but sometimes the difficult part is not actually opening the gift in terms of the wrapping. That, that's easy to tear that open. But the actual packaging, that can be a challenge, right? You know those kind of, uh, you know, products that comes in those hard type of plastic that is impossible to open? And then you start with your teeth, and then you might find yourself in an ER room because you broke a teeth or you, um, you, you broke your tooth. And then uh, also sometimes if you open up with your hands, it cuts you. I once nearly had to get stitches because of something like that. And it's impossible to open. I mean, I once tried a scissor, and I found a photo of someone else that made the same mistake, and it broke the scissor. Some of these gifts are really impossible to open. Um, I actually, you know, I will always do my research um, for a sermon. So this is a bit of the research I did. And so I found out a very useful hack um, if you need to open packaging like that is to use a can opener. So apparently a can opener, that advice is for free. You don't have to pay for that advice today. Uh, so you can use a can opener. That, that actually also works or like you know, an axe or something like that. Uh, but in my research, I found out there are some actually support groups for people who never open their gifts. And they could just never open that gift. And, and so if you need support, come and talk to us. I'll, I'll put you in contact with one of those support groups, right? Um, but but the, other, the, the other thing I found that was really, I really laughed when I saw this. It's probably the most ironic product in the market. It is a device that they made especially to open up gifts like this. So, so someone designed a package opener but the irony, it is packaged in a package that's nearly impossible to open. So you first need to buy one before you can buy one to open one. And it's just, you know, it's really, really ironic. Now, the thing is, when it comes to humanity, we all also have a certain gift that we are all trying to open. 
that's very difficult to open, and that's the gift of heaven, right? So, so it doesn't matter what culture, what religion you grew up in, we all have got this longing to open up the gift of heaven on earth. For some people, they settle just for the idea of just heaven one day, if I can just open up the gift of heaven one day. And so heaven is this simple idea. So heaven is a very simple idea that it's a reality where things are the way they ought to be. Because we are all confronted with the reality that things in this life is not the way they ought to be. Things are not the way they should be, right? And so we are very aware of that. And we've got a desire in us, and that's why we also know it's possible, is because otherwise that desire wouldn't have been within us in the first place. But we've got a desire for that reality where things are the way they should be. And we try and work toward that. And so that's the concept of heaven. And so we dream about that reality. Not only do we want to open it one day, but we also want to open up that kind of life right here on earth. And so if you think about all philosophies in the world, think about any self-help book that you read. Any self-help book is trying to help you to open up the gift of heaven on earth. Right, right. If you do this and this in your life, then you'll be able to live the good life in a sense to experience a bit of heaven. So if you want more heaven and less chaos in your life, then read the book called Atomic Habits or this book or Nine Ways to Help Yourself or whatever. The book, so it might be self-help, but it's to open up the gift of heaven now already. Think about Islam. Islam gives us five principles, main uh, principles, that if you follow these principles, then you will open up the gift of heaven for eternity. But also, you're going to start to open up the right kind of life right now on earth also. Buddhism, they've got the eightfold uh, pathway um, to the same kind of good life. If you follow this eightfold pathway, then you will open up the gift of heaven on earth. You'll start tasting heaven right now and also maybe for eternity. And all religion is the same. Judaism, they've got a bunch of laws and a certain culture that you try and keep. And in doing that, you open up the gift of heaven in your life now. Modern marketing is selling us the same message. And so in a time where we have to be very aware of that in December time where we love buying stuff we don't really need, right? It's this idea. It's based on this principle. If you drive this car, you'll experience a bit of heaven. If you wear this dress, this kind of clothes, it's selling a little bit of a piece of heaven to you, opening up a bit of heaven now. If you've got that couch or this furniture, it's not only products that it's trying to sell to us, or this, you know, this large TV. You're going to have heaven in your home right there. Sometimes it experiences being sold to us. You know, if you go have holiday in the Alps, or if you go have holiday in Hartenbos, or wherever it might be, this kind of experience, you're going to open up heaven. And so we've got this desire to open up heaven. Now, unfortunately, we take some of the same principles also into our Christian walk. Now, today... I want to read a passage of Scripture. We actually read it at the beginning of the year, and I love this passage. It's a passage where Jesus explains to us two things. He explains to us that He is open heaven, that open heaven and heaven on earth is not an experience. It's not a product. It's a person. And Jesus Himself is the gift. And so Jesus in this passage is trying to show us that He is the gift. He's giving Himself to us. He doesn't bring a gift to us. He is the gift that he brings to us. But secondly, he is also the key to open the gift. 
This gift that is impossible to open for mankind. Jesus says, I am also that, that ironic tool to open up this gift of yours. And so we're going to read together from John chapter 1. And so if you've got your Bible, you can open it up to John chapter 1. And I do want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church. It's uh, wonderful to just make notes and then go study the Scripture on your own uh, also during the week. So John chapter 1 from verse 45 to 52, we're going to read. So this is where some of the first disciples started to follow Jesus. And there was one guy who was following Jesus already, Philip, and he go, went and found his friend. He say, and, and it says in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then um, Nathanael replied, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. And so here's the thing about Nazareth. Uh, we make jokes. Uh, Naz Nazareth was not a prominent place. So if you read you know, the scriptures in the Old Testament about the promised Messiah that will come to rescue his people, you don't imagine him coming from Nazareth. You imagine that God would make sure this person would be born in Jerusalem or grow up in Jerusalem, or the Messiah would come all the way from Rome. And so in today's time, it's like, you know, you know the Savior needs to come from Pretoria or from Cape Town or from New York, you know, not, not from Weppener. <laughs> you know, that's the idea. And so Nathaniel was actually a very skeptic person, and so he said, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? No way. He's skeptic about, about this person. But what is interesting about Nathaniel Nathaniel actually went with Philip. He didn't say, you know, you're ridiculous, I'm not coming with you. He went with Philip. Philip said, come and see, and he went. So Nathaniel was open to be surprised by God, because he was actually searching. Are you open to be surprised by God in this coming year? Are you open that God can actually surprise you? What you thought is true, maybe God can come and surprise you in this next year. And so Nathaniel was open to be, he was surprisable. Um, and then verse 47, it goes on. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, you truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And then Nathaniel responded, how do you know me? And so obviously Jesus said something that made sense to Nathaniel that no one else was supposed to know when he said, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And so what did Jesus say? What was the trigger that he was actually pushing a button on? And he says, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, and he went on his knees, he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And so what happened in this passage? That Jesus says, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, I saw you under the fig tree. That Nathaniel knew this has to be God himself speaking to him. What happened there? And so just a bit of uh, interesting facts from that passage is that the fig tree was considered a place of contemplation. It's considered a place of meditation. So if you were to you know, think about your own life and think about the Bible and where you find yourself, a good place would be you sit under the fig tree, or it was commonly understood that you know, that's a place for meditation. Remember back then they didn't have Netflix, so you, know, you would go and sit under a tree and think about life. That actually sounds quite attractive, I think. Um, and so Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree. Now, theologians actually speculate, and I believe they're very accurate with this, 
is that probably Nathaniel, when he was sitting under the fig tree, he was contemplating the story of Jacob. He was probably thinking about the story of Jacob, maybe thinking about his own life and thinking, well, is what God did for Jacob possible for me also? And uh, as we read that scripture again, you'll, you'll see that it's clear that Jesus knew he, w- he was referring to Jacob's story and that that is actually what bowled um, Nathaniel out. And so just a bit of a history lesson on the person of Jacob. Jacob, his name means the deceiver. Jacob is the heel grabber. Remember, Jacob was part of the twins. You get Abraham, then you get Isaac, and then Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. Remember that story with uh, Jacob's mother uh, where they actually deceived both Esau and Isaac because Isaac was blind and uh, Jacob didn't have a lot of hair and Esau did. And so they dressed him like in goat skin and put some fake hair on him. And so he went to Isaac and said, bless me. And he pretended to be Esau in order to get the blessing of the firstborn. And so he lied to his own dad. He stole his brother's inheritance. And so he was the deceiver. His whole life, he was a runaway thief. Jacob was known as the deceiver. And then the story actually goes on, and that's why it makes sense when Jesus speaks to Nathaniel. He says, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. It's like, and then Nathaniel's like, how do you know what I was thinking about? And so then the story goes on with Jacob. Jacob runs away, and he's you know, somewhere, and he actually meets with God. And there's that story where Jacob actually wrestles with God. You know, if you don't know what you're going to read over the December time, go and read Genesis. The story of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. It's a wonderful story about how God works with us. And so Jacob runs away, and he wrestles with God, and he grabs a hold of God, and he says, you must bless me. And so in the same way as Isaac actually blessed him, now God in heaven is blessing Jacob, and he changes Jacob's destiny forever. Remember, there's a story about Jacob walking with a limb after he wrestled with God. And what happened then is when God blessed him, God changed Jacob's name. Do you know what he changed Jacob's name into? He says, you're no longer Jacob, the deceiver. You will be known as Israel. Your new name is Israel. Jacob had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob is Israel. And so when Jesus speaks to Nathanael, he says, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. He speaks to Nathanael, he says, you are not a runaway thief. You are not Jacob. You are Israel. There's destiny. There's calling on your life. Probably Nathaniel was thinking, you know, I'm a nobody. Maybe he was a runaway thief. Maybe you there, sitting under the fig tree, feeling guilty about all of your bad decisions, feeling guilty about all of your sin. You feel like you are the Jacob, the runaway thief, the deceiver. And you're wondering, and you hear this morning, because you're wondering, is it possible that God can do for me what he did for Jacob? Is it possible that God can do for me a nobody that he did for that nobody, Nathaniel? That 2,000 years later, we're reading the story of Nathaniel. A nobody became someone, one of the original disciples. And so Jesus actually did for Nathaniel in that moment what God did for Jacob. He was contemplating this. Jesus calls him, and now Nathaniel has got a calling and a purpose in his life. That's a surprise. Can you imagine the surprise that Nathaniel must have experienced when he saw this Jesus? But here's the cool part. That that story doesn't end there. It goes on, verse 50 and 51, which is actually my favorite part of the story. It goes on. So after this happens, Jesus looks at Nathaniel and he says, 
You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And that you is actually also plural. And then he speaks not only to Nathaniel, he speaks to Philip and the others that were, were there, and he speaks to all of us also. He then added, very truly, I tell you, all of us, you will see heaven open. The gift of heaven, you will see it open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He says, you're going to see heaven open. Now, the reason why that is so significant and why it's pretty clear that Nathaniel was thinking about the story of Jacob, because again, Jesus makes a reference to a vision, a dream that Jacob had in Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28 is a story when, when Jacob was running away, he fell asleep on a rock and he had a dream. And the dream, I've got a picture, it's not an actual picture of the moment, but someone drew the picture later of what happens in Genesis chapter 28. Jacob has got a dream. He sleeps and he sees heaven open and this ladder, this staircase coming down from heaven to earth and he sees these angels of God ascending and descending. Now Jesus speaks to Nathaniel after they had this little Jacob moment saying, you know, you're not a Jacob, you're Israel. I've got a calling and a purpose over your life. And he says, you think that's great? that I know who you are. Same thing Jesus is saying to you. You think it's great that I know your name? That's nothing. You're going to see heaven open over your life. And Jesus explains to them that he is that ladder. You see, if you read that, that scripture again in verse 51, Jesus says the following. He says, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. There are some translations that actually translate this in the wrong way. It should be on the Son of Man. Meaning Jesus is saying, you know that ladder that Jacob saw? Opening heaven? I am that ladder. Jacob only saw a vision. He only saw a prophecy. I am the fulfillment of the open heaven. I am the ladder to heaven. I am the gateway to heaven. If you want an open heaven over your life, it's through me. That's what Jesus is saying. He's pointing to himself. He's not saying, if you do A, B, and C, then you will maybe open up the gift of heaven over your life. He's saying, I am the open heaven over your life. And I am also the way that you access that open heaven over your life. That's why I love saying is we actually don't, we're not part of a religion. We're not part of Christianity. We're disciples of Jesus. Jesus is our religion. It's the person of Jesus. He is our religion. It's all about him. He's the gateway to heaven, and he is heaven on earth. He's an open heaven over our lives right now. Now, friends, this, maybe the worship team, you guys are welcome to start making your way up again. But this, what I'm speaking to you about now, this idea of Jesus saying, I am Jacob's ladder, I am open heaven over your life, that is the, the Christmas message. In this season that we are celebrating Christmas together, that's the Christmas message. You see, all religion is like a ladder. I've got a picture of a ladder. I wanted to get a big ladder here, but ours is a little bit high. But religion is a ladder. It's us trying to access heaven. It's the five steps to get to heaven, or it's the eightfold pathway to get to heaven. We even incorporate that into our own Christianity. And so every time you do something good, you come to church, 
it feels like you're taking one step up on that ladder. You've got a good quiet time, you take one step up. You give your clothes away, you've got one step up. And then you do something really stupid. You shout at someone in traffic, and you take one step down again. And then you miss church, and then you take one step down again. And we play this little game of snakes and ladders, going up and down this ladder. But here's the reality. That gift is impossible to open. You cannot access heaven. And God knew that it is impossible for you to climb yourself up into heaven because the ladder is too high. It's too high for you. Because of our broken will, because of our sinfulness, it's impossible for us to get ourselves up to God. And so that's the Christian message. It's literally Jesus coming down saying, I am the ladder coming down to you. It's God coming to us. Not we climbing up to heaven. It's God came to us. It's Emmanuel. God with us. Can I just share with you this good news that God came to you. And the Christian message isn't only that God came to earth. It's God came into Abel's life. Literally, there's a ladder right into my own heart. And Jesus went down the steps into my own life. Think about your own personal life, not the world. I know God loves the world, but you need to hear this this morning. God loves you. And He came down to you. He wants to be with you. That's the Christian message. That's the Christmas message. God comes to us. He provides the ladder and He comes down on the ladder. It's Emmanuel, God with us. Let's all stand together. Now, this morning we're actually going to have some communion together. Um, and when, when we have communion, um, this is a reminder to us that what Jesus has done is that Jesus is God himself coming to us. Jesus is the fulfillment of Jacob's dream. Jesus is open heaven over my life. Whether you've got the car or not, you've got to open heaven over your life. Whether you've got the holiday experience or not, you've got to open heaven over your life. Whether your relationships, and some of us are reminded about unsuccessful relationships in our lives, family members, whether your relationships are unsuccessful or not, you still have got an open heaven over your life. None of those things matter because the open heaven over your life is a person. If you've got fellowship with that person, you've got heaven right here. I said last week also, I think for so many of us, we need to hear that the kingdom of God, open heaven, is right under our noses. It's already been given to us. Like we said last week, your name is on the, on the gift. It's your gift. You just need to enjoy it. And so even though the presence of God is a reality in our life, sometimes we struggle to live in the awareness of the presence of God. You need to open the gift. I know tomorrow is going to be angry with me, but I just want to do this. But we got the gift, but we need to open it up. Maybe that's just a picture you need to see. You don't need to do anything. It's been given to you. It's the grace of God. He gives himself to you. Jesus gives himself to you. Do you want him? If yes, then open him up. Open it up. Like, just got a box. But you need to open up the gift that God gives you. Just like a kid. And when you open up Christmas presents this year, be reminded of the fact that Jesus has given himself to you. 
you can just open it up for yourself and you can enjoy it. It's yours. It doesn't help you've got the gift, but you're not, you're not playing with it. I said even last week that so many of us, we have accessed it. We have opened this gift of Jesus, but it's as if we put it back into the packaging and we open it up again next week, Sunday. So we only play with our toy on a Sunday. And Jesus says, I want you to live in my presence every single day. Remind yourself of the awareness of God, that heaven is open over my life. That's what we believe by faith. Heaven is open over my life. I want to encourage you, over this December time, create times where you remind yourself and you enjoy the presence of God. That's why we've got certain habits in place, like whether it be coming to church, reading your Bible, times of prayer. It's practices so that we can practice the presence of God, so that we can live in the presence of God that has already been given to us. Now when we have communion, it's a practice of reminding ourselves that we have an open heaven over our lives. Let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for open heaven. And as we take communion, we remind ourselves of your blood and your body that came down the ladder, that came to us, that opened heaven. As we break that piece of bread this morning, we're reminded of the fact that your body was broken so that heaven can be broken open for us. May we live in that presence, Jesus. As we're standing with our eyes closed, can I just make an invitation? If you're standing here this morning, and you feel like you are the Jacob before you met God. And you feel like you are maybe the Nathaniel before he met Jesus. If that's you this morning, won't you just raise your hand because we want to pray for you. Because this morning, Jesus is calling you. Just like he called Nathaniel. He says he knows you and he wants to call you. Is there anyone that would like to walk that journey that Jacob walked and Nathaniel walked? If you want to start this morning, won't you just raise your hand as a sign of saying, here I am, Jesus. I want that gift. Is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand. There's a hand. There's a young girl raising her hand there at the back. Let's maybe just encourage her. If I can just, thank you, Zelda. She's one of our leaders. Just going to come closer to that girl. Just spend some time praying for her afterwards. But I just want to maybe say to you, to that young lady, is that Jesus is calling you the same way he called Peter and John and Nathaniel and Philip and Andrew and all of his disciples, the same way he called me and many of the people standing around you. He wants to call you by name and say, follow me. Your destiny, your purpose, your calling is captured in the person of Jesus. And he says, follow me. I pray that your life will change this morning. Love you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to give you some time as the worship team just plays in the background um, to just have some communion. We've got tables uh, on both sides, so you can help yourselves. Um, and then after that, the, the band's going to lead us into a time of ministry. We are so glad that you were able to listen in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Dr. Dave Bloemfontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel.